Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on a Wednesday evening as the Cubs take the rubber game from the Oakland Athletics at Wrigley Field, winning two of three and securing a 5-1 and one homestand. Naturally, folks, right? The only game the Cubs lose since I've been back in Chicago is the one started by John Lester, but I'll tell you what, folks. I will take a five and one homestand with a Lester loss rather than a one and five homestand and a Lester win. It's all about the team. Me and Johnny are on the same page in that regard. So we will talk about these three games with the Athletics. As per usual, lately with this Cubs team, we've got some roster moves going on. The Cubs adding Jonathan Lucroy, who will join the team as they head to Cincinnati to add some veteran depth with Wilson Contreras on the injured list for a few weeks here. We've got Pedro Strope back. A lot of movement on this team, but I I think, Brendan, the key here is now they head on the road. It's time to flip the script as far as performing on the road, but this was a 
really, really good homestand. They take the sweep from the Milwaukee Brewers and two of three from a very good Oakland team who came in hot, came in with a really good record, and the Cubs took care of business at home, which is all we've been asking them to do, and pick it up a little bit on this road trip, and they should be just fine. Yeah, and they're pulling away a little bit from the division, so they're going to be three games up of the Brewers and three and a half games up of the Cardinals. And combining that with seeing Ian Happ have success, Schwarber's been on one, Corey. He's looking so good at the plate. Chris Bryant hit a home run, so there was a lot of concern about his knee injury. As Madden was saying, he's still dealing with some knee thing. So all in all, that was a pretty good series. Lester, you just throw that out of the window. He does that once a year. It's his annual tradition with the Cubs. It is what it is. But overall, yeah, man, like this series, this this is this is really fun to see just because you're getting contributions from guys who were not contributing, you know, three weeks ago. Good to see. Right. And obviously I don't I would have preferred it not happen, but I, I do think that we, we give Nick Castellanos and a guy like Tony Kemp and anybody else that's just recently joined the the Cubs fold here, they they get a good glimpse of what it's like to play at Wrigley Field and what it's like to play in front of Cubs fans in that game on Tuesday night. Because yeah, Brendan, I'm gonna it, go man. out on a limb here. I, I have not watched a lot of Detroit Tigers games really ever, even when I was a student at the University of Michigan. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that 30 plus thousand people don't stick around when the team is down by 10 runs to cheer on their left fielder who used to play catcher getting back in behind the plate for an inning to catch the other catcher. Uh, So I think Castellanos and these guys we're probably looking around going, whoa, like this is quite the fan base. Right. That we're even in, in that, here. even in that ninth inning, like even though they were down, what was it? Seven runs. The very right. last out, the crowd is going nuts thinking that's a home run. I forgot who hit it, but that's really fueled for you, man. That's what they do. Right. So welcome to Chicago, guys. This is what it's like. This is what uh, the the Cubs fans, the Wrigley faithful, are are going to bring on a daily basis. And as I've mentioned, I'm very happy to be back uh, a part of that. As I mentioned in the last episode, I've been eating all the good Wrigley Field food, totally back in the fold here, and racking up the W's, Brendan. So this is what I'm here to do. I appreciate that. I'm I'm doing my best. I'll I'll have a chat with John. We'll get on the right page there, and and we'll we'll you know we'll try to make it perfect homestands from now on but just want to run through these games real quick as always keep it pretty abbreviated but want to touch on some things to set the table for this conversation here as we go forward and on Monday it was a six to five win and if any game so far this year Brendan could be best summed up by that Starlin Castro phew (laughs) gif it was Monday Uh, I was pretty sure that Semyon had put the A's ahead in that ninth inning off of David Phelps uh, but when that ball landed in Ian Happ's glove, that was quite the sigh of relief from me and uh, basically everybody else. I think at, at Wrigley Field, you could kind of feel the collective air let out at, at the end of that game. But the Cubs winning 6-5, to five, they jumped on the board early with Nick Castellanos' first home run of the year for the Chicago Cubs, his 12th total on the year to right field. 
The A's would take a 2-1 to lead in the third, but that would get taken back by Javi Baez, 27th home run of the year, and he was not done for the evening. More on that in a moment. In the bottom of the seventh in a 2-2 to game, it was Ian Happ with a home run that made it 3-2 to Cubs. Nick Castellanos continues to top the Major League Doubles leaderboard. This one on Monday was his 40th. He was definitely not done in that regard. That made it 4-2. to And then one El Mago, Javier Baez, added his 28th. That made it 6-2. to That was quite the inning. The Cubs battling back from a 2-1 to deficit, falling behind in the third, and then pretty much putting their foot down in the 6th and 7th inning and saying, not today, we're winning this game. Got a little dicey in that 8th inning. Uh, Steve Ciszek, not a great effort. That was uh, a lot of messing around from Steve there, but we'll let him off the hook. He's been very good for the Cubs. The A's get it to within one, but that is where they would stay. A a really nice job with uh, Strope not being back at this point. Uh, and Kinsler coming in earlier in the game, and obviously Craig Kimbrell being down. Really good job by Kyle Ryan, and then Phelps does get that final out, even though it was maybe inches from going out. Good job by Ryan and Phelps to hop into a situation they are not necessarily used to being in, closing out a close game against a, a very tough A's lineup. So a good job by those two to shut the door. Brandon Kinsler does leave this game and eventually hit the injured list with a pec injury, but all the sounds of that are that this is mostly precautionary, just no reason to rush him back out there, take the 10 days and get him back. He's been very good for the Cubs. He exited this game with a 2.33 ERA. So hopefully yeah. he is back, back soon yep. and can get back into the uh, top portion of that bullpen as soon as possible. On Tuesday, excuse me, actually, let me go back to Monday and just read Kyle Hendricks' line. He was very good in this game. Six and a third, one hit, and that was a semi and two-run home run. So really nice to see the Cubs offense pick Hendricks up there because he certainly didn't deserve to lose this game on that one hit. Two earned on that home run, two walks, and five strikeouts. Something really funny, Brendan, about Kyle Hendricks being the first Cubs starter to walk a batter in six starts that broke that stretch that I think we read on the podcast the last time. And immediately that run scores. Baseball is very cruel sometimes. They go six straight starts without walking a batter. The first one they do is the one of the last people you would expect in this rotation to walk someone immediately scores right. on a home run. Of course so, it goes like that. Right. That is baseball for you in a nutshell. Not really going to touch on much on Tuesday. Not a great start uh, for ya boy, number 34, the left-hander, John Lester. Uh, four innings, nine earned runs on 10 hits, three walks, and six strikeouts. It was a disastrous second inning, eight runs for Johnny there. Not his best. Like you said, Brendan, we'll throw it in the trash, but we will talk more about Lester in a moment. But just briefly, I would say we've talked about this before. Like these starts are going to happen. He's 35, diminished stuff, sitting around 90, 91, 92 with those fastballs. And if he doesn't have the control, especially against an A's lineup that has a ton of pop like this, these starts are going to happen from time to time. You just throw him out and move on and focus on the many, many times he's kept the team in the game and delivered a quality start. And then on Wednesday, the Cubs blowing out the A's, returning the favor and getting that run differential back to where it needs to be with a 10-to-1 victory to secure the 5-1 and homestand and the series victory over Oakland. 
a great start from Jose Quintana. He goes seven innings, two hits, one earned run, no walks, and seven strikeouts. Just an excellent outing from Quintana, only on 94 pitches. So on a closer game or a different day, he probably could have even pushed it into the eighth. A really big effort for Jose Quintana. And I want to stop there and read this stat from Gordon Wittenmeyer, who tweeted out that since June 29th in Cincinnati, the Cubs are 7-0 and in Jose Quintana's starts, and in those starts, Quintana himself is 6-0 and with a 3.67 ERA. That is a really good stretch of baseball for Jose Quintana, and really good starts this weekend. He was great against Milwaukee to start this homestand, and he was great against Oakland to bookend this homestand. So really impressive stuff from Jose there. The big notes on offense for the Cubs in this one. Javi Baez is red hot. We'll talk about him when we finish up with the recap, when we talk about some of these other hitters that are very hot. A lot of guys in this lineup very hot right now. But he tied things up at one in the bottom of the fourth, and then it was Ian Happ with a grand slam to the opposite field, batting left-handed. That made it 5-1. to one. Guess who? Javi Baez made it 6-1 to one on a single. And then it was a Kyle Schwarber opposite field three-run home run. That is Kyle's 26th of the season. Victor Caratini would cap it off in the eighth with a solo home run, his sixth of the year. And that would be all that she wrote. 10-1 to one is the final. We see David Phelps with a clean inning of work here against the A's. And Pedro Strope gets back out there. He was the corresponding move for Brandon Kinsler. He throws an inning, one hit, no walks, and one strikeout. Fastball was around 93, so not exactly where we want it to be, but he was generating a a, a few whiffs with some of his breaking stuff, that slider, namely. So good to see him get some whiffs. Command looked pretty good, uh, and he's obviously working himself back in there from the neck tightness is what he went on the injured list for, but obviously he's had those hamstring things the last uh, 10 months or so. So just good to see him back out there, get him back in the fold, build up that velocity hopefully and and hopefully we can get him back to where he's been in years past but good to see Pedro back out there hats to the left and such but Brendan I think the first place that we need to start and and there's many different places that we could possibly go on this one but I I think it is one Ian Happ is where I would like to start and specifically that lineup in the Wednesday game is what I want to see and what I think you want to see going forward. And obviously, you're hoping that Wilson Contreras is doing the catching, but Victor Caratini has done a very good job. Like I said, he homered in this game today. So for now, that's great and even better when you can get Wilson back and hopefully he's healthy and back to performing how he was. But the lineup on Wednesday as follows, Hayward, Castellanos, Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Schwarber, Hap, Caratini, pitcher. That's what I want to see, Brendan. That lineup looks visually really strong, and even just breaking it down, that is a really difficult lineup for a pitcher to have to go through, even after you get through Baez, that, that top kind of gauntlet portion, we'll call it. You still got to deal with Schwarber. You still got to deal with Hap. And then Caratini, again, doing a really good job in that eight hole, but everybody in that lineup has pop, and I would say almost everybody, really with the exception of Javi Baez, who is busy hitting the ball all over the field, everybody in this lineup is capable of taking a walk. 
So I love this lineup, and specifically, I love seeing Ian Happ out there, and he has you know, that that first weekend started not getting hits, but getting on base, but the hits are coming and he's ripping the ball, Brennan. Yeah, good for him too. You want to see Ian Happ get some everyday playing time just because he's been playing consistently in Iowa almost every day. But the lineup they put out Wednesday, I don't really care about the order necessarily. Just get those guys out on a consistent basis. Uh, I don't really like Castellanos in the second spot against Raddies, but so be it. Ian Happ, Corey, has got to play the majority of the time. I like David Bodie. I like Albert Almora in some situations, but Hap has got to play the majority of the time. I want to read this stat by uh, by friend of the podcast, Michael Cerami. So he tweeted out, you ready for this? In Hap's last six plate appearances, Corey, they go as followed. Grand slam, 103 miles per hour. Line out, 103. Double, 109. Single, 113. Fly out, 89. Home run, 109 miles per hour, 474 feet, Corey. He looks better too. Like you look at the swing from the left side, you know, you know what he was trying to do. Cut down the whiffs, try to be on top of the ball against high strikes, and he's been doing it. You can just go and look at the video from this year to last year. He's doing it. So we need to get this guy more playing time. But it's not just like the developmental aspect of it. He just has that thing right now that Bodie does not have. Bodie's still going through that adjustment phase in his last 50 plate appearances. Again, I love Bodie. I do. But just this is how it works. In Bodie's last 50 plate appearances, he has a 302 weighted on base average. He's striking out almost 30% of the time. He's walking under 9% of his plate appearances. Again, it's only 50 plate appearances, but it goes to show you that Bodie's going through an adjustment phase. Only one home run in that sample. Hap has two home runs since being up in under 25 plate appearances. So going forward, I'm not saying, yeah, play him every... Actually, I did say this. I do want to see him every day. But at least, like, you know, eight out of 10 games, give Hap the start. Whether it's at second base, center field, left field. Actually, Schwarber is doing well, too, so maybe not left field. Just get the guy in somehow. And he, he has he has that attitude, too, right? Like, you know... He wants to prove so badly that he should not probably have been sent down. He wants to prove that he belongs here. And I, I do value that to some degree for him trying to show up when the leverage is high. He's trying to contribute, and he's been doing that. So I, I love to see a Corey. Could happen there almost every day. Yeah, I agree. I will say, just because you mentioned Bodie, he and Hap did turn a double play at that one point when the two of them were on the infield. That was kind of weird to see, but that, that was kind of fun. That was but, a great double play, though. Before you, before you go on there, I do want to point that to, point that out, too. Like, I, I like what Bodie's you know, doing this year, but what he did that shortstop on, the, on that double play was why he's on the roster and Robo mm-hmm. Garcia is not. So there was a lot of you know debate about why is Bodie still up on the team and Robo's back in, in AAA. Bodie can play shortstop guys. He's a quality defender. He made stupid errors nonstop this year, but on plays that are difficult to get to, he has the range, he has the footwork, he has the athleticism to make those plays. And that double play was a perfect example. That was very shortstoppish, Corey. Keep your whole home running like clockwork from the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet. You'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. 
There's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax Oxygen System is here. Doctor-approved, clinically tested, at-home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to HypermaxOxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? HypermaxOxygen.com. That's HypermaxOxygen.com. So, Bodie in his role as a utility player, part-time right now, defensive replacement, I like it. Yeah, and, and again, like, I, I think, you know, maybe you, you could argue Bodie, you wanted him to get more of a shot, but he, he's had some opportunities, he struggled, and, you know, here comes Ian Happ, and I, I think sometimes you have to defer to those guys who are performing and, and give them a shot to keep that going, and that's what I think we were asking for with Happ when he came up and wasn't getting those immediate starts was basically he was hot in the minors let's get him up here and let's try to ride that Let, let's try to capitalize on that success that he's been having and it certainly looks like that's kind of what's happening here it's it's only 31 plate appearances that he has at the major league level so far but a, a 320 batting average 452 on base percentage he's got six walks to six strikeouts and a 600 slugging percentage again extremely small sample size, but this is what you wanted him to do. You sent him down to make adjustments. He started to perform better. Now he's back at the major league level, and those adjustments are are, are taking shape a little bit. He's performing. Right. Like you just read that stat from Michael, he's ripping the ball. He's one of, if not the fastest guys on the team, so always good to have his speed out there. He can beat out infield singles. He can make plays in the outfield. Just purely based off of his range. And you guys know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, I always go back to that quote from that first spring training he spent with the big league club when he was on the MLB network. And he says to Sean Casey or whoever's interviewing him from the MLB network, I just want to be as versatile as as possible. On this team, it's so important to play multiple positions. And that was before he had even played, I think, a big league game. And he knew this is what I got to do to be in the fold for this team. And this is what's important for this team, whether they want me at second base, left field, right field, center field, I need to be able to do it all. And we heard that from a lot of the guys that were covering him when he was in the minors, that he really was making strides on defense. I think he's looked good out there in the opportunities that he's had. So yeah, yeah we need him out there and, and he's and taking grounders at shortstop too like he's uh-huh. trying to do everything yeah, but, and Bodie does the same thing to his credit both those guys are all about let me do whatever I can and and I'm gonna try to do it again like you said Bodie with some really significant offensive adjustments that he needs to make but both of these guys and others as well but very team first guys they just want to do what they can to get out on that field and and have the opportunity and Hap is certainly grabbing that bull by the horns right now and yeah man like I just look at that lineup on Wednesday and especially compared to some of the other lineups that we've seen throughout the year when, you know, guys like Descalso and Russell, et cetera, were up on this team, this lineup looks very deep. It's a long lineup, and especially when you have these guys going right, Hayward hitting like he has this entire year, Castellanos just doing his thing, ripping those doubles into the Wrigley Field alleys. 
KB, like you mentioned uh, earlier, looking good. Drove the ball a lot in this last uh, couple games yeah. against Oakland. So hopefully that knee soreness is, is is behind him, but ripped a home run on Tuesday night, ripping the ball a few times. Just missed a home run uh, off the Ivy on Wednesday. So he looks good. Rizzo doing his thing. Javi is extremely hot right now, and maybe we'll move into that. Uh, but I, I, I do want to talk right. about Schwarber as well. But yes. this lineup just looks really, really deep. And again, we've talked about it. You know, that provides the opportunity where you can use guys like Albert Almora, Tony Kemp, David Bodie as well, and get them into those spots where you really want them and you really think they are primed for success. But this lineup looks deeper and longer right now. And we talked about this in the last episode, Brendan, where you asked me, do you prefer Hayward up top or Schwarber up top? And I said, I preferred Hayward up there because he's been going well but I like Schwarber in the middle to back end of that order because he is an extraordinarily dangerous bat to have to deal with when you get through Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, and you're talking about the six or seven hole in some of these lineups, but Kyle is on one right yeah, now. He is putting up massive numbers over the the last period of time here. I, I want to read a stat from Mark Gonzalez at MD Gonzalez on Twitter. In his last six games, again, obviously a, a small sample size, but so what? This is these were big games the Cubs were playing at well, home. I got, I got the some Brewers. numbers for a larger sample size, but you go first. Okay, sure. So in his last six games, seven for twelve with a double, two homers, six RBIs, five walks. Okay, that is extremely hot. And even if you look at his last fifteen games, he's got an OPS over a thousand, a near two seventy batting average with five homers and fourteen RBIs. So he's one of those guys. He goes through stretches certainly where it doesn't look like it's clicking, it doesn't look right. But right now, this version of Kyle Schwarber as your six or seven hitter is an extremely valuable weapon for this team. And again, you saw it today. He, he, over the course of this weekend, just that easy power, man. He destroys yeah. the ball. He ripped one near that scoreboard in right field over the weekend against the Brewers, goes oppo today against the A's. This is the version of Kyle Schwarber that I think has had a lot of us salivating over the, over the last few years of what his potential could be. Yeah. And so in his last 50 plate appearances, which is significant because a lot of those peripherals start to stabilize around 50 plate appearances, like like chase rate, swing rate, all of those, okay? In Schwarber's last 50 plate appearances, he has walked in 14% of those plate appearances. But here's the crazy part. Only has struck out in five of those plate appearances. So five of 50 plate appearances, he's only struck out. That's a 10% rate. He's walking at a 14% rate. He's striking out at a 10% rate. He has five home runs, Corey, in that 50-plate appearance sample. He has the same number of home runs as he does strikeouts. That's wild. So whatever he's doing differently, whether it's an adjustment, whether it's optimal matchups, whatever it is, you got to get this guy in a lineup almost every day as well. There was a stretch there, what was it, maybe five weeks ago or whatever it was, he came off three consecutive games homering, and then he sat for three consecutive games. I don't know why. I Maybe he was dealing with a back injury, just got some rest, whatever it was. He came back, did not look the best as a result. But these last two and a half weeks, th- this is kind of optimal Schwarber. This is what you imagine he would be when you think about his ceiling. I'm not saying he's reaching his ceiling right now, but he's on one. He's hot. Get him in the lineup like you. I do enjoy watching him batting six, maybe batting seventh, whatever he looks like when Willie comes back. Just somewhere in the middle to down in the order, 
maximizing that power potential with runners on base. I think the thing that Hayward did not have that Schwarber does have is when you have runners on, especially batting behind KB and Rizzo and those guys, and maybe even a half going forward, you have opportunities to hit those three run home runs, to hit those grand slams. And that's what Hap did today. And that's what Schwarber did today, where Hayward can set the table, doesn't have the power, even though he's you know slugging well this year, but not the same type of power that he does for Hap and Schwarber. So the way the lineup is orchestrated right now, I like where Schwarber's at. I don't mind him batting higher up in the order at times, even leadoff at times. For, but for the short term, Hayward's doing well, keep him at leadoff, maximize Hap, maximize Schwarber in the middle to lower part of the order. And what we saw in these last few games is exactly why I love this lineup. Top to bottom, you have walk potential, and you have every single guy in this lineup with the ability to just hit a home run at any point. And that's what's fun to watch. And so, yeah, man, Schwarber's, Schwarber's on one. It's kind of a sneaky hot streak. I did not even realize how hot he was to walk in that many plate appearances. And they had the same number of home runs, five, as strikeouts in the last two and a half weeks. That's significant, Corey. Yeah, absolutely. And I and he's now at 26 home runs on the 2019 season, matching his total from 2018 nearing his career high, which he said in 2017, which was 30. And I I think that part of what I like about him kind of being toward that back end of the lineup is I think he has the profile to be a leadoff hitter. I think that we all, you and I especially, always agreed with the general like background logic of that decision. But what I really like about him hitting deeper in the order is you just send him up there to slug. Just do your thing, man. Yeah, like that's work what a good I mean. plate appearance and try to kill the ball, right? You're you're not worried about setting the table for anybody. You're not worried about running up the pitcher's pitch count. And who knows if that stuff was affecting him or whatever, right? Like it's just different adjustments. It's hard to say. But I just like him being in a spot where it's just like, Kyle, don't think about anything. Just go up there. If the pitcher's right. not giving you anything to hit, take your walk like you will. And if he does, kill it, man. And that's it. Yeah. And, I, and I think that that is a really good spot for him, kind of clean up whatever Javi leaves left over, which sometimes isn't much. <laughs> but I, I think it's a really good spot for him. And again, it just makes that lineup so deep because someone like that lurking in the six, seven hole. I mean, if Wilson Contreras was healthy, you might have Schwarber in the seven hole. Right, maybe even like batting that's, eighth at times. That's insane, right. Corey. That's that's ridiculous. Wild. Yeah, yeah, that is a deep, long lineup, and that is exactly what you want this lineup to look like. But I, I, I do want to uh, talk Javi just a little bit, and sure. this is actually the second part of that Mark Gonzalez tweet that I read. Uh, in that same span as as Schwarber, Baez eleven for his last twenty three with two doubles, one triple, three homers, eight runs, and nine RBIs, and he had been on sort of a slump, like a. Uh, again, for for Javi, it, it was a slump. He just wasn't at, at playing at that level that maybe we saw in 2018. But over this last stretch here, he looks really, really good. He is destroying the ball. He's been going oppo a good bit today. Yeah. You had that inning where uh, KB gets the single, Rizzo gets on base, and then first pitch, Javi goes opposite field, line drive to right field to bring home Bryant. And you can tell that he is just locked in. Luckily, he fouled the ball off his foot. Th- thank God for that shin guard, Brennan. I know you were thinking the same thing. Oh, of course. 
right? But he he seems to be no worse for where he did come out of the game. But the Cubs were up well, nine I mean, to one or ten to one. He's fine. Yeah, at the time. Yeah, he's no, fine. no issue there. But just because we've been monitoring this heel situation with him, it's really good to see him in this stretch and and just looking really locked in at the plate. Uh, But this was, uh, again, a very good homestand for him. And just like we were talking about with Schwarber, like in a lot of these lineups, Javi has been your five hitter. Like that's a very good five hitter to have. So I'm feeling pretty confident about this lineup right now. And and it's really just going to be a question of what happens when they get to Cincinnati and are on the road, because I think that they... They look very strong, and and like we talked about with that Brewers series, especially in comparison to that series in St. Louis that they had just played, it just sort of looked like a completely different team. They they just come out, and they're killing the ball, and I, I did this yeah. for that Brewers series, but six runs on 12 hits on Monday, four runs on 11 hits. Even in that game on Tuesday when they get blown out, they still scatter uh, 11 hits in the game. They take three walks in that game, so that's a pretty solid amount of base runners. And then in the finale, 10 runs on 11 hits. Like, this offense is destroying the ball at Wrigley Field. They just need to carry it over to where they're going at three series on the road. And I, again, I don't think that there is anything that this team isn't able to overcome playing at Wrigley Field versus playing on the road. There, there's no way that with this group, it's a confidence thing or they, they need to be. I, look, I, I know that all of us at Wrigley Field, the, the faithful, are wonderful fans, the best fans in the world, right? Listen to these fans, as Pat Hughes would say. <laughs> but for as wonderful as we are, Brendan, they don't need to be in front of us to succeed. This lineup should be doing stuff like this almost on a nightly basis. So that's yeah. what I expect as we head on the road here. And I, I, I certainly hope that's the case because otherwise I, I don't really have many answers for why it doesn't translate because they look really good on this homestand and I'm hoping that that continues. Well, I think the way the Cubs played in this last series is why you remain optimistic about the Cubs' chances during the playoffs. If, if again, they do get there. Because top to bottom, when everyone's clicking, when Schwarber's contributing, and Hap looks like he looked in 2017 and for the majority of 2018. And you have KB healthy and Rizzo doing his thing and Javi doing his thing. You you just cannot help yourself but dream about what that lineup would do in a small series. Because they can go off and hit home runs top to bottom, left and right, if, they, if they're all clicking at one time. Going back to Javi, though, that, that one game, the last game of the A series, he had three batted balls hit over 97 miles per hour. One which was the the single at a 106 miles per hour, and then he had the uh, the the multiple line drives to right field over 97 miles per hour. So having Javi go to the opposite field with authority is a sign that he's healthy. And I feel like this year, not feel like the data even says it too. He's slamming the ball to the opposite field gap with consistency. It's like what Derek Cheater used to do, but Javi is just actually hitting the ball with power to the opposite field. Good to see does make you wonder, again, once Wilson comes back, what they do with Castellanos. Because, again, if there's one little thing to nitpick, and I don't want to do that, but having Castellanos bat second in this type of lineup against righties, he has a weighted on base average of around 310 against right-handed pitchers, probably not the best place to put him. And I think it does warrant a conversation. Once Wilson does come back, who's going to bat in that second spot? Will Wilson go back up there? Will they try to put KB back in the second spot? It's, it's a discussion for a different day, but it does make you wonder, okay, what's going to happen once everyone is healthy? But just point being, this team, Corey, in a small series, 
has massive potential and it can compete with any of the top teams in the national league and that's why we remain so optimistic and so perplexed at times when they go through these dry spells right and i think that's really indicative of why we kept saying you know especially during that pre-all-star break stretch and then that not so good uh you know, month or plus there where they were, you know, kind of under 500. Well, not kind of under 500. They They were were playing over under under 500. Yeah. Um, That's why we kept saying, like, I genuinely believe that they are better than this. And obviously they've made additions. Cassianos is a huge addition. But the, the reason being is, and we just kept saying this, like, if you can get good starts, which we've continued to see from guys like Hendricks, Hamels being back, playoff John Lester, uh, Jose Quintana has been on a really good run now. You Darvish pitching the best he has in a Cubs uniform and performing at a really high level right now. This offense has plenty of capability to match those guys and get the job done. We just weren't seeing it. But again, at home, and especially this past homestand, we are seeing it. So, yeah. and, and to your point about the lineup, I, I think that that, especially with Castellanos, like I would prefer he not hit second uh, against right-handers. He destroys left-handers okay to pretty good, right, against uh, right-handers. But that's one of those where it's like you're kind of, like you said, nitpicking to an ideal scenario, right? I don't think that Cassianos being in the two-hole is that big of a deal. That's, I, I think, one of those like marginal lineup decisions. And I'm not saying you were suggesting otherwise, but just pointing out that that's one where when this lineup is clicking the way that it has recently, then it does you get not to, matter. Yeah. Well, and you get to play those games where you say, Which "Yeah, is this fun. is great," but could it be just an inch better? And maybe it doesn't even make that much of a difference. But why not have the discussion, right? Yeah. So either way, I, I, I again, I, I think that this lineup is is in a good place, uh, and it it I, I think I mentioned this on the last podcast, but really fun to watch Nick Castellanos. He mentioned, I think, the other day in talking maybe to 670 this score I apologize I'm not remembering the exact source but he just said like I really feel like I'm the prototype hitter for Wrigley Field and you really see it I mean the dude is going to live in those power alleys just extend them I know it's too soon in the game (laughs) right he does seem like the perfect fit it it definitely feels like a love at first sight kind of thing I'm so into what he's doing and there was a play today where I think he hit maybe a, a deep fly ball that wasn't caught, uh, and he ends up at second. And it was one of those where it kind of looked like it might be a home run. The guy then ended up camped under it, and either way, he busted it out of That's the box. That's what I'm saying. He did ends the same up at thing second base, too. Yeah, man. And yeah. he's not pimping anything. He's hustling. Immediately gets up and does you know that celebration towards the dugout. And we mentioned this in the last podcast, but this dude is pumped to be here. And yeah, just on him, guy. since we're talking about him, another note from Mark Gonzalez. He says, Cassianos has hit safely in his first 10 career games at Wrigley Field, uh, a 405 batting average, 17 for 42. And he is the first player to do so since Andrew McCutcheon, who was not a Cub. So this is obviously a much more pleasant uh, version of that stat. And Cassianos, after Wednesday's game, now leads Major League Baseball with 40 three doubles. And I think that's one where you look at, okay, in the two hole, ahead of Bryant, ahead of Rizzo, ahead of Baez, that's going to play. Folks, get yourself on second base. And I think we're going to get ourselves a lot of runs. I think this relationship is going to go just fine. Yeah, I think so too. But I do want to move... 
Here's what I want to do. I want to talk about the bullpen for a second. Uh, then I want to talk about John Lester. Yeah, you're like delaying it. I can tell. <laughs> we got to have a discussion about John Lester. That's fine. It will be, it will be a good one. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry. And then I want to move into the, the preview of this upcoming road trip, this four-game set with the Reds, and hopefully the Cubs can play better in Cincinnati. Has not been friendly to them uh, recently, but hopefully they can correct that this weekend. But just as, as it concerns the bullpen, obviously, as I mentioned, Brandon Kinsler heading to the injured list with a, a peck injury. And I just wanted to ask you, Brendan, obviously just a mess of an outing for Steve Ciszek in that game on Monday. He goes just a third of an inning, allows three hits, three earned runs, a walk, a strikeout, and two home runs in that outing, almost blowing that game, a 6-2 to lead that the Cubs had. Not something we're used to seeing from Ciszek. The first time in his career, I believe, that he has allowed two home runs in the same inning. And with Kinsler now out, Kimbrel out, Morrow MIA, who knows what's going on with him? I, you know, he he's like one where I would love, like even just a picture to prove he's still alive. Like I, I'm not even sure what's going on with him. But do do you have any concerns about this bullpen? Just again, a lot of these guys have stepped up and performed really well. I mentioned Kyle Ryan. I mentioned David Phelps stepping in in a new situation and being called upon in various roles and doing that job. Rowan Wick continuing to look very good. He actually picked up the win on Monday yeah. uh, in two-thirds of a completely clean inning, 1.98 ERA on the season. He continues to look good in these spots. So not necessarily concerned with the personnel uh, and also adding to that, we saw uh, Dwayne Underwood come in in relief of Lester and strike out all six batters that he faced, flashing 96-mile-an-hour fastballs, really good changeup, good stuff from Underwood. So that was definitely kind of like that eye emoji, like, okay, I'm listening, I'm, I'm paying attention to this. But so not necessarily from a personnel perspective, but the, the injuries are racking up, Brendan, and we don't really know what kind of shape Strope is in now that he's back, if he needs some time to kind of get back up to speed with the, the rash of injuries that he's been dealing with. But especially as they head out on a three-series, 10-game um, road trip, just any concerns with how they're going to weather this storm, who's going to be called upon to close games, or do you think that, that Joe and the guys can piece this together and, and figure it out? I'm not too concerned, surprisingly. The injury prognosis for Kinsler and, and Kimbrell both are pretty appealing. It's only going to be maybe only you know two weeks for Kinsler. Same thing with even Kimbrell. So in two weeks, this conversation could be all for nothing. But in the short term for these next 10 games or so, they have Rowan Wick, they have Kyle Ryan, Steve Cijak, Strope is back, they have Underwood, they have Chatwood, and then they can go back and dip into their Iowa bullpen if they need to. But the point being, they have six guys who have very distinct traits that should play well or have the opportunity to play well in 10 games. I mean, Roman Wick, we've seen what he's been doing. He's been throwing 97, 98, uh, a very short release. He looks good out there, right? Kyle Ryan, no need to go into depth about him, but he does have the most unorthodox release point in professional baseball, most towards the first base side out of any lefty in the league. Steve Cizek, he's Steve Cizek. If you have to worry about Steve Cizek, then we may have a different conversation here. He's he's there. Pedro Strope, he still has one of the nastiest sliders in the league, despite throwing 93 to 94. The whiff rates are all within his career range. He should be fine. Again, it's just a matter of him being healthy 
and commanding the ball. The, the issue has not been the velocity, it's been the command. Chatwood's looked phenomenal recently, and Underwood has the potential to be one of those guys who gets whiffs. So those are six names right there who theoretically should provide difficulty for the opponents. It's 10 games, Corey. And if Kimbrell's injury was to his shoulder, was to his elbow, if Kinsler's injury was more severe, maybe that was to his shoulder, then the conversation would be different. But I'm very optimistic that this bullpen, for the short term, has the potential to get outs. And I think we saw with Wick, we saw with Ryan, and we have uh, David Phelps, who I did not even mention, who has one of the, the, the most unorthodox cutter, fastball combination, curveball combination for relievers. I'm okay with it. I'm not saying it's a, a shutdown bullpen by no means, right? But at least I know these guys have distinct traits that separate them from an average reliever that at times should provide the opponent a lot of difficulty to, to hit. And for 10 days, that's fine. Let's get Kimbrell back healthy. Let's get uh, Kinsler back healthy. I like the precautionary steps they finally took with some of their guys. Once they come back, the bullpen shapes up. And maybe, you know what? Maybe in hindsight, this is kind of a, a good thing. It's never a good thing for these injuries. But Underwood, Corey, came in, struck out the first six batters he faced. Maybe that's an opportunity for him to get more looks. Rowan Wick, all these injuries, suddenly he gets high leverage situations. Maybe he's a high leverage opportunity come September, come October, right? So there's opportunities for these guys to now grab onto. And Kyle Ryan did that earlier in the year. Now look at him, right? Kinsler did the same thing, took advantage of these opportunities when guys went down. Now look at him. So this could be another opportunity for guys to step up and give the Cubs more depth than I think even us as fans imagined. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I'm not particularly concerned about it. It's just, you know, this is a lot of injuries kind of hitting at once, and it's going to be on some of these guys to really step up. But I I think that they're capable of it. I think they have the personnel to do it. And I also would say, you know, we talked about this on this last episode saying like guys like Kyle Ryan, Rowan Wick in particular have been very good. And now it's time to get them into those spots and, and see like, okay, like as we head to maybe playing the Braves in the playoffs, the Dodgers in the playoffs, et cetera, are, can we rely on these guys and are they going to be ready for this and they you know like I said Kyle Ryan coming in in the ninth inning of that other game Rowan Wick coming in to put on some fires so they've definitely been getting into those spots so good to see them getting in there and succeeding and yeah it's it I think some of them are going to get called upon in the next few days over the on this road trip to pick up some of the slack as as some of these guys are getting back from injuries and, and trying to find themselves, et cetera. So yeah, I, I'm not overly concerned. It's just one of those, like, try to get everybody healthy and, and get through it. So, But the starting pitching has generally been very good, so hopefully we don't necessarily have to rely on them that much. Uh, but on that note, I do want to talk about John Lester, if you guys will allow me for a moment. And again, it, it's kind of what I said in the beginning, which was we've been through this, right? Like, he's in a different position than, say, someone like Cole Hamels, right? Cole Hamels, velocity, still very good, looks very much like his his sort of vintage self, not his youngest self, perhaps, but still a lot of velo on that fastball, one of the best changeups in the game. He's got great stuff, and John has good stuff too, but it's diminished. There's no way you could look. John did not throw 91 his entire career, right? So this is just one of those things that happens. It's okay. He's going to have starts that 
aren't very good. We've seen this from him over the last few years, oddly enough, kind of around this time frame, generally. I mean, even at his best, though, too, Corey, like he was still giving up those those disastrous starts even in 2016 when he was at arguably his best as a Cub. Right. And and the, the key to this, though, again, and I, I've said this before, I said this when he went through a rough patch earlier in the year, I did not tell you, you didn't hear it from me, right, that John Lester is the ace of this team. Brendan, you didn't say that. So it's weird when he has starts like this that you see people on social media or writers, whatever, talk about how he's not the ace of the Cubs or, oh, this isn't the performance of an ace. No, it's not because he isn't. That person is probably Kyle Hendricks. And over the last calendar year, it's probably Cole Hamels. So I don't, I didn't tell you that. Like, I didn't tell you to expect that John Lester was going to win the Cy Young this year because I didn't think that was going to happen. And I wouldn't have advised you to think that was, was going to happen. He has been very good for the position that he's in in his career and where he is on this contract with the Cubs. He is usually going to give you a good outing to quality start that keeps the team in the game, and that's all you're really asking for of him. There's going to be these blow-ups. It's just going to happen. Velo's down. When he doesn't have that command, he's not getting that outside edge, which he wasn't in that start on Tuesday. Trouble brews, right? So that's just sort of how it goes, but it's perfectly fine. He has been, and we say this all the time, light years, light years worth that contract if he never threw another pitch for the Chicago Cubs. And he still throws a lot of really good games, Brendan. Yeah. So it's it's weird when the reaction is so strong to a bad start. It was a terrible start. It was an awful start. Immediately in the second inning, the game is basically over. Asking the offense to come back from an eight to nothing hole is a really tall order and very difficult, I think, psychologically for an offense to dig their way out of. But it happens. It's really not a big deal. And if he's, with the way everybody else is performing, if you're slotting John is as your five starter, if you will, and I did air quotes for that, but that's great. Who's complaining about that? That's totally fine. And I want to read a a number from friend of the podcast, Tyler Free, on Twitter. And he said in his last eight starts, he's got a three and a half ERA with a 3.8 XFIP. And he's gone five and two-thirds innings in all but one of those starts, six-plus in five of those starts, and zero to three runs in six of them. Those are good starts, guys. So, like, if you're waiting for him to throw nine-inning complete game shutouts and be winning the Cy Young, I I don't think that's going to happen. But he's been good. He has been a good pitcher for this team, which at this point in his career and the contract is perfectly great. It, it's it's totally fine. And the other thing that I, I just got to finish on, and I, I think this is You're probably, well, I, I mean, it, it's just like some As of these people be. come I'm out, it's, some it. of these people come out of the woodwork. And it reminds me like when Chris goes through a slump and people are talking about trading Chris Bryant and all of that other stuff. And I, I have the exact same response to some of those takes. And it's time out. When you talk about Chris Bryant in in that example. But when you talk about John Lester, I'm going to ask you to do one thing, okay? Put some respect on his name. That's it, okay? It's so weird. And, and all fan bases are like this. It's not unique to Cubs fans. And I have moments like this myself where I have to remind myself of this with certain players. But 
it, you really get the impression that people hate some of these players, right? Like the minute they're not performing at the highest level, the vitriol just comes out. And it's like, has John not done enough for this franchise in the last few years since he signed and started in 2015 that when he has one bad start in a season where he came into the game on Tuesday with a 3.8 ERA, right, after earlier in the year giving you a month and a half of sub one and a half ERA baseball, right? Like, has he really not done enough that he can't have a bad start without people telling him to retire and saying he stinks and this, that, and the other. And it's not necessarily from prominent people. I know our Cubs-related podcast listeners, you're all smarter than that. You wouldn't do such a thing. You would never speak ill of John Lester or a lot of these guys in such a regard. But to the general masses, you got to put some respect on some of these guys' names, okay? All John has done since he's come over here is be well worth the contract that the Cubs are paying him. He was the NLCS co-MVP with Javi Baez in the 2016 playoffs when the Cubs win the pennant, and by the way, he helps lead them to a World Series, which World they Series won in 2016 yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. Okay, so all I'm asking is just put some respect on the man's name. Okay, like if you're waiting for him to win the Cy Young, that's on you. Nobody told you to do that. Okay, don't hold people to a standard that's not realistic for where they are in their career. All right, that's all I'm saying. I'm going to turn it to you, Brennan, because I could go on this for a year. Right, but just we we gotta put some respect on on these guys' names, especially John Lester. All right, the man is a Cubs legend. No questions asked. All right. So, please. Keep your whole home running like clockwork. From the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet, you'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Yeah, I mean, look, I can't follow up anything you say about John Lester. I will say, though, even this year, he's been worth 2.1 Fangraphs War. If you want to use the whole dollar-per-war model, that's worth $17 million. You want to put this on a trajectory, he's going to live up to his value this year of $26 million. The argument that he's being overpaid went out the window in 2016, okay, when he was putting up uh, season war totals of around five per year for three consecutive years out the window in 2016 is over. For him to even do this at that age is icing on the cake. Theo never probably imagined Lester to even be this valuable. Maybe he did. Maybe I'm speaking out of terms here. But even in this year, Corey, his walk rate of 2.1 batters per nine innings is the best walk rate since 2015. He has a better walk rate this year than he did in 2016 when he had an ERA of 2.44. I know he's throwing slower, that's fine, though. His, his K per nine this year is nine batters per inning. You know what it was in, in 2016? Almost nine batters per nine innings. So a lot of the numbers are a little deflated because he is throwing slower. Some of the power numbers are up against Lester. That's okay. But point being, he's been, one, better than league average this year. Two, 
worth every penny of his contract and then some. He's even making it up this year in 2019. Three, a legend. Retire his number. I don't care. I know we always talk about this. The guy is a Chicago Cubs legend. And just to throw it out there too, FIP and ERA is up across the board like crazy this year. You all know it. But the average ERA and FIP is 4.5. Lester's FIP is 4.15. In 2016, the average FIP was 4.2. It's gone up a third of a point. That's an insane amount in such a short time span. But John Lester, he's adapted. He stayed above the curve, so to speak. And he's still better than the average as, how old is he now? He's going to be 36 years old. And he's still competing. You tell me when John Lester's on the mound in a high leverage situation, you tell me you're not comfortable. Because I don't care what the numbers say, Corey. When it comes to those types of performances, when Lester needs to turn it on, he's going to do it. It's just that he's done it every single damn year, Corey. The guy is a gamer. We will not stand for it. And even though he had one bad start, one bad start, a week ago, his numbers were so much better. You just read them out. I get it. You have to look at the entire sample. But it's it's not fair to him. It's no slander tolerated on this podcast for John Lester, for Chris Bryant. Never going to happen, Corey. Yeah, no. The uh, Let's just say the block button on Twitter was yeah. out in it, full it, force it, last hot. night. I, I definitely name searched John Lester, and I'm ready. I'm like, all right, <laughs> let's see. Never block, interacted block, with block. half of you, but you're gone. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just want to finish. Uh, he's thrown a, a good bit of innings for the Cubs in the postseason since he came over in 2015, and his ERAs in those seasons, four and a half in 2015, that driven up by that Mets starts, which, you know, really the whole team kind of fell off the rails there in that series. 202 in 2016, 1.88 in 2017, and only one start in 2018 in that wild card game, but he was very good in that start. Six innings for a one and a half ERA. And I want to reiterate this again why I'm asking, let's put some respect on the man's name. In 2016, when the Cubs win the World Series, okay, John Lester goes three and one in 35 and two thirds innings with a 2.02 ERA. Plus. That's it. Game seven of the World Series coming in relief. So, look, we can go on forever, right? One last start or one last step before I read this upcoming series. Uh, Lester, you ready for this? 2015, 32 starts. 2016, 32 starts. 2017, 32 starts. 2018, 32 starts. This year, he's on pace, Corey, for 32 starts. Durability, consistency. That is who John Lester is. It's not going anywhere. He's still just as good this year, Corey. It's weird, Brendan, that we've never tied that in, and I don't like that he's on pace for it for this reason. It's weird that we've never tied that in with Rizzo always landing on 32 home runs. 32, man. What what is the deal with that number? Maybe both of them go above 32 this year. We don't know. Uh, Let's get both of them. 33. Let's do it. it. Although if John is on pace for 32, I'm not quite sure how we would end up with an extra start. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. Uh, hopefully that does not that does not happen. <laughs> yeah, we need him to pitch on three days rest at the end of yeah. the year. But uh, right. yeah, well, okay, John can stay at thirty two starts, but I do need Anthony to get that thirty third sure. home run. Yeah. Though he's Let's, really not uh, yeah. on on pace for that. I don't Let's know anymore. Do he's but anyway, we're we're getting off the rails here. Anyway, just like come on, like John Lester's a Cubs this. legend, man. Like he had a bad start. It's been a good year for him. 
keep the expectations realistic, okay? Like, it's it's fine. Like, but again, it's it's also so weird, Brennan. Like, it, it's one of those things where you still hear that term ace thrown around with him. And even I'm looking around going like, guys, like, the, the best pitcher on this team for probably a couple years has been Kyle Hendricks. I don't know where you've been, but like there, there's really no beating around the bush there. And like since he came over, it's it might be Cole Hamels. Like the, the numbers kind of speak for themselves in that well, regard. I'm not sure last month. where people get like holding, you know, John to this standard, but like that's not really where it's at. You shouldn't think of it that way. And that's yeah. totally fine. Yep. Okay. So let's And also this up, just yeah. last thing on John Lester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing hitter. So you you, you oh, can't yeah. discount that. Where he's dropped in velocity on his fastball, he has made, up, made up for up by adding velocity. that production at the plate. I love it. I rest my case. I'll try to stop talking about this. This is where we need like that Cubs-related podcast premium edition, Brendan. And then it would just be, okay, on tonight's premium episode, Corey talks about John Lester for three straight hours. With all expletives included. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let's preview this upcoming series against the Cincinnati Reds in Cincinnati, a four-game set. You can get you can get tickets to the series through SeatGeek with millions of live event tickets and a price match to guarantee. SeatGeek proves there's a better way. There's sports, live music, comedy, and more. SeatGeek has the tickets you're looking for all in one place. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? A quick look at the app store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. How's that for customer satisfaction? It's just a better process. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets from all over the web, then it rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. Finally, SeatGeek displays them on an easy-to-use interactive seat map. SeatGeek breaks down the details. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced. And every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I found to shop for tickets. In fact, I just used the app to buy tickets to Wrigley Field in two weeks. I'll be at Wrigley Field supporting the team, taking care of business like you are, Corey. I use SeatGeek. I got tickets for my friends, for my family, within five minutes. It's that simple. Best of all, SeatGeek will give you guys $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use the promo code. Download and download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. Okay. On well, I, Thursday, I do just want to jump in there, Brennan, and say sure. it, it's thank goodness for SeatGeek because as you guys may have put together from Brendan finishing that, he's not allowed to sit with me. So he, he needed to find a way to get tickets elsewhere. I'll and, still find my way yeah. over to you, Corey. You yeah. Know that. Well, well, we'll see about that. Brendan oh. and I went to game, what, two of the NLCS two. in 2016. The Cubs lost that game, no, and no, 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 that's no. that's well, pretty much it. We were at the David Bodie Grand Slam game last year together, too. So, you know. Well, it, not it, sitting together, sound. though. Sure, but we were still in the general. You know, for a different day, Corey. We'll argue this for a different day. Uh, but we <laughs> were right. both there, point, point proven. Anyway. And by the way, we were at the Do- we were at Dodger Stadium for Game Five of the 2016 NLCS. So I made up for that. Just saying, that's true. Anyway, anyway, Cole Hamels on the mound Thursday night, 6:10 p.m. Central Start Time. He'll be facing Alex Wood, who has not pitched that much this year, dealing with injuries. But he's one and zero with a 3.18 ERA. Hamels on the year six and three with a 2.84 ERA on Friday, the same start time, 6:10 p.m. Central. Trevor Bauer taking the mound for the Reds. 
uh, newly acquired for Yasiel Puig from the Indians. Bauer on the year, 9-8 with a 3.85 ERA. Do you remember anything in particular about Trevor Bauer that stands out to you, Brennan? I'm trying to remember, Corey. Ah, that's right. He lost several games against the Cubs in the 2016 World Series run. Is that right, You're right. right. It it always reminds me. Every time I see Wilson Contreras' name, I'm like, that's always something to remember. He's got those two L's in his name, which is just like those two L's the Cubs handed to Trevor Bauer in the 2016 World Series. That's right. So he'll be facing you, Darvish, on the year four and five with a four point three six ERA. Hopefully, you continues his strong stretch. Hopefully, he's healthy, dealing with the same illness that supposedly other guys had in the clubhouse. We will see on Saturday, same start time, six ten p.m. Central. Kyle Hendricks on the mound. He'll be facing Sonny Gray, who's having a phenomenal year for the Reds. He's six and six with a three point two five ERA. Very similar to Hendricks' numbers, who's 8-8 eight eight with a 3.06 ERA. To finish off the four-game set on Sunday, day game, 12-10 p.m. Central start time, your boy, John Lester, on the mound, looking to rebound off that bad start on the year. He's still 9-8 with a 4.39 ERA. He'll be facing Luis Castillo, probably the nastiest pitcher on a red starting staff who is that is surprisingly one of the best in the league this year. Castillo on the season is 11-4 with a 2.63 ERA. Right now, again, the Cubs are 62-52. and They are three full games up on Milwaukee, three and a half games up of the Cardinals, and the Reds are 54-58. and They're basically out of the division race for the time being, most likely for the rest of the season. And simple as this, Corey, win on the road. No more, no less. Time to take that stretch from Wrigley. To Cincinnati, where they've played a lot, not much success there recently, but a lot of guys have had career games there. Chris Bryant, Kyle Schwarber, let's go. Simple as that. They have a chance to pull away from this division. They're throwing their best four starters right now out there. Let's see what happens. Yeah, it's pretty simple, man. Like I think that what we see from this group at home, there, there's not much you would look at and say, oh, that's a fluke, right? So it's just about taking it on the road and getting it done. I think that what we've seen from this team on the road, if anything, is the fluke, right? So it's just about keeping this going. This lineup looks to be in a really good place right now. As we said at the beginning, it looks deep, it looks lengthy, and it looks troublesome for the opposing pitchers. Starting pitching has been really good. Uh, like we said, you know, obviously Kyle Hendricks, of all people, ending that walk streak. Uh, but then Jose Quintana starting a new one, perhaps, on in Wednesday's game. And the bullpen, a lot of guys stepping up, accepting bigger roles with, with guys out. Uh, and they've done a, a really nice job with that. So it's, yeah, same, same deal. Just take what we were doing on this homestand. You, you beat two good teams here. You, you swept the Brewers uh, in, in important division games, and then you had a visiting Oakland team that has played well against the Cardinals, the Brewers, and just in general, a team with 60-plus wins, good team. And you took two or three from them, and, and you put up a lot of runs, a lot of hits in this series. So Cincinnati's been a bit of trouble for the Cubs in in recent memory, but yeah, like you said, we we've had a lot of very good memories at the Great American Ballpark as well. So hopefully we can continue that this weekend. But this is a big stretch for this team. Obviously they'll come back home after this this road trip here. They've got a couple off days mixed in, but if you can perform well on this road trip, at least you know weather the storm, if you will. Um, you can put yourself in a really good position to come back home and continue doing really good work at Wrigley Field and hopefully distancing yourself in that division. But 
they, they've got to do it. it. It's been a weird stretch uh, on the road, and I don't think any of us really have a particular answer for why it's been that way, uh, but I think we know it should be better than what we've seen. And so this series with the Reds is uh, a big one in the sense that you've got the Brewers playing the Texas Rangers, uh, you know, so we'll see how that goes, but then the Cardinals going home to play the loser Pittsburgh Pirates, who are of no help to anyone ever. So you're going to want to get some wins. And and again, so I think if you can take care of business here on the road, keep yourself uh, with some distance at the top of this division, then you head back home and you really drive it home as we get ready to head towards September and the final month of baseball here. But other than that, uh, that's pretty simple. Just get it done on the road. I think that's all we're looking for, all we're asking for. And other than that, I think that's all we have for you. So uh, I will not be on the road with this team. I, I, It's just not something I'm able to do. So we will have to rely on those of you who are able to get to these games. I know a lot of fans make it to the Cincinnati games especially to – pick up where I'm leaving off. Take care of business, guys, okay? So we're all we're all a, a family here as this fandom, and we got to pick each other up. So I will do my job when they get back to Wrigley Field at the end of the month here, but we turn it to you, the, the road fan, uh, to take care of things here. And it was a great homestand. Cubs go 5-1. and one. They, they hit the ball all over the field. Lineup looks great. Starting pitching was good. And hopefully they can carry that on the road with them. But as always, we thank you guys very much for listening. Your reviews in the Apple Podcast Store or whatever app you are listening in. Obviously, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, etc., wherever you get your podcasts. So we appreciate your listenership and your reviews. And as always, the interactions on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc. It's uh, a pleasure going through this season with you guys and talking with you. And as always, we will be back with you after this four-game set with the Reds. And hopefully the Cubs, by then, have started to turn things around on the road. But Again, as always, we thank you guys for listening, and go Cubs. The following is a true story. I had a lady that was in her mid-70s, and I'd sold her timeshare, and that was the lowest I'd ever felt in my life. I knew then that I had to do something to simply not to go to hell for selling timeshare. Chuck McDowell founded Wesley Financial Group to help folks cancel their timeshares permanently. Called her and everybody that I'd sold timeshare to, and I said, this is what I said to you that was a lie, and this is what you need to do to cancel your timeshare. From that point, people started referring friends to me to help them cancel the timeshare, and that's how it all started. I fought the world's largest timeshare company in federal court. If I had lost that lawsuit, there would be no one helping people that have been lied to when they bought timeshare. If we take you as a client, we will cancel your timeshare or we'll give your money back. That's what makes us different. Call Wesley Financial Group now for a free information kit. 800-885-4884. That's 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, Grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. 
the more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.